Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Step three of the classroom setup process is setting up the schedules. And this is a huge one. There's a lot that is involved in the process to set up schedules because it's not just making schedules for your students. You have to plan your whole day out and allocate specific amounts of minutes for different centers, for different kids. It's a whole mess of work. And I mean mess because It's complicated and things don't fit perfectly when you're creating the schedule. I relate making the classroom schedule kind of like Sudoku, but there's never an ending. It never fits perfect. You never find all those right numbers like you do in Sudoku, but you're trying to fit everything in in a specific way. So when we think about schedules, we're going to kind of break today's episode into two parts. First, we're going to look at making the schedule for the day. So how are your centers set up? How many minutes are your kids spending at each centers? How are kids grouped? So we're going to really reflect back on step one, which was organization and planning to get all of that content into the schedule. Once you make that schedule, then you need schedules for your students. This is essential. That is not a choice. You do not get to pick if you make schedules for your students. Your students need a schedule, non-negotiable. Imagine you walk into a full day staff meeting. It's a professional development day. There's no students in the building. You have meetings all day. You walk in and your principal starts talking and you realize 
that you have no agenda for the day. You have no calendar. You have no timeline. You have no idea what you're going to talk about in this meeting. All you know is that you have to stay there till the end of the day. You don't know when your lunch break is. You don't know if you'll get free time to your classroom. You don't even know if there'll be a break or if any of this is, is at all relevant to you. How do you think you would feel? Is your anxiety going to start going up? Mine is going up just explaining that scenario. Not knowing what's coming next and not being able to anticipate any future events doesn't feel good. That feels stressful. I'm not relaxed. I can't focus and pay attention to what's going on. It's just overall not a good feeling to put people into. Now, if you are running your classroom without a schedule, you're putting your kids in this situation every day. They don't know what's coming next. They don't know how far away lunch is or if they have gym today. So without a schedule, they're feeling just as lost as that scenario of being in the PD meeting without an agenda. So schedules are functional. They're something that you and I use every single day. When the new school year starts, you probably go online and print out your school's calendar and you put in your days off and when Christmas break is, that's a schedule. A calendar is a schedule for the year. We utilize schedules all the time. Think about when school picture day is. You go to the office, you look and see when your time is allocated and you write that down. Our society, our jobs, our families function on schedules. Schedules are helpful because not only do they reduce anxiety, as I already mentioned, but they increase independence. You can do something without someone having to tell you because the schedule is there to tell you what's next. It can help reduce inappropriate behaviors that are coming from anxiety related to transitions and that idea of not knowing what's coming. So it's really beneficial in so many ways, but most importantly, it mirrors what we utilize in our society and what we utilize ourselves. So it's important to note that when I talk about the must-have schedules for our students, when I say schedules, I don't mean a movable piece picture schedule, like many of you might be picturing. So if we think of schedules in an autism classroom or in a special ed room, what might pop in your head is a visual schedule with board maker pictures that's Velcroed to a wall that's a movable piece schedule. So as we'll talk about later in this episode, that's only one option for the type of schedules for your student. Not every child is going to need that type of schedule. And most likely, most of your students will not need that type of schedule. You'll have a variety of types of schedules in your classroom. So when I go through and talk about how important and necessary schedules are, I don't want you to pigeonhole the idea of schedules into being something as specific as a movable piece picture schedules. Because as we'll talk about, there's a lot of options for how the schedule can look. So before we get into the specifics of your student's schedules and what that can look like, first let's talk about making the schedule for your whole day. And this is that daunting Sudoku-like task that I talked about. It's hard to try to fit everything in. It will absolutely never be perfect. I've struggled with that because I want to make it fit and be absolutely the best it can be. And it's always something that you're probably tweaking and moving around a little bit. 
So I'm going to link a bunch of blog posts in the show notes because I have a lot of great posts and some of my bloggers have done great posts on the process to create this schedule because it's hard and you want to get a lot of different ideas and perspectives on the best way to get this started. So let's reflect back to step one, organization and planning. In this step, we talked about creating a list of centers, grouping your students by ability and similar IEP goals, and starting to match up where we are meeting the needs of all of those IEP goals within the structured centers of your classroom. So what you'll want to do is make an Excel or Google Doc version of a schedule. You will want to break up your day into 15, 20, or 30-minute sections and have a specific timeline of what each student is doing in every time block. The way I like to do it is to put the students' names on the top row, have one column for each student, and then along the far left column, break up your day into these time periods. So whether it's 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, small enough time periods that you'll be able to show exactly those little switches, those little transitions, such as transitioning between centers. So once you get that started, you first want to put in your non-negotiables. I'm now using the phrase non-negotiables many times in one episode, but there's a lot of things that are just must-haves in a schedule, and this one is out of our control. So things that you are given, schedules that you are given, things like your lunch period, your recess period, maybe your specials, your staff's lunchtime. So things that are school-mandated schedules that are just given to everyone. Put those things in first because obviously we have to work around those. So that's where you get started. Once you have those non-negotiables in, then you want to refer back to your list of centers and your groups of students. And you want to start to create rotations. So rotations between centers where kids can go from working with you to working with a paraprofessional to perhaps working independently. So see if you can create rotations where there's enough centers that all the students are in one of the centers at one time. So what I mean by that is if you have four groups of students, can you create a rotation between four parts of your classroom? Not all of those parts of your classroom need a staff member. We might not all have enough staff to have a staff member for every center at a different time. So four different centers in your classroom might be working with you at direct instruction, working with a paraprofessional at a fluency center, working with another paraprofessional at a technology center, and then having a non-structured break time. So students would rotate between those four centers and all of the kids are within one of those spots during that time period. So look at your center list and see if you can put some rotations together. Then look on your Excel schedule and look for some bigger blocks of time where you can put that rotation in. So a 60 or 90 minute period where kids can spend 15 to 20 minutes at each center and rotate around. So some tips here. In theory, this all works out, right? But in reality, we have that rotating door of students and staff in and out. You might have hard times, a hard time finding that block of time where you have all your students at one time, where you have all your staff at one time. So we just have to do the best we can. My advice is to try to fit in those academics and most important IEP goals in the morning or at a time when you have most or all of your staff there. 
I personally like getting the academics done in the morning because I think the staff and the students are the most fresh. I mean, in reality, after lunch, we're all kind of over it, right? So save the after lunch times for things like independent work, social skills, um, more generalization or group activities that can be a little bit lighter. And then you know, I got to my main IEP goals in the morning. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. When you create these rotations of stations or centers in your classroom, make sure that the order is logical. And think about this geographically. So go back to what we talked about in step two with classroom structure and make sure that the centers are maybe physically near each other or even in order. I like when there's like a clear rotation that makes sense. Kids aren't going from one corner of the room all the way to the other, then back to the middle, then over in another spot. It seems to flow nicely if you can bounce from one table to the center next door to the station next door, and it's in kind of a row or something that makes sense. So think about how physically kids will be moving between stations when you're figuring out that list of rotations. As I mentioned, try to fit in the more academic-focused centers or stations when most of your staff are here. Obviously, your staff will need lunch breaks. Your staff might have to take students to inclusion or specials and be in and out of the room. So try to find the time when you have most of your staff there. And I know none of us have as many staff members as we'd like, and I totally get that. So it can seem frustrating at this step to have an idea that you just can't make play out the right way because you don't have enough staff members. And I feel you, I understand. In these scenarios, you just gotta do with what you're given and maybe try to make a little bit bigger groups with your students, maybe add in more independent work centers or just try to be a little bit creative with how you're scheduling the centers that need an adult. After you fill in those important IEP-related centers, go back and fill the extra time slots with things like group work, social time, independent functioning, some of those special activities we talked about in step one, like cooking or games or things like that, and fill in that day. After you have this student schedule where we have all the students' names on the tops and it's written and broken down by student, next you want to create the matching adult schedule. I think this is a step that a lot of people forget. We make that student schedule and we assume that that translates to an adult schedule, but we want to have it written out really specifically for a few reasons. One, you want there to be no miscommunications about who is doing what, when. An adult schedule will detail exactly where every staff member is supposed to be, what they are supposed to be doing, and which students they are responsible for. Conflict often arises from miscommunication, and having a really clear and specific schedule will help avoid potential staff issues. Another reason to have a really detailed staff schedule 
is that oftentimes in our classrooms, our adults might be pulled to do activities or special special events that are not related to our classroom. Your paraprofessional might be pulled to make photocopies in the office or to help another class or to help with dismissal of other students, things that are not part of their job responsibility. You need those adults in your classroom. And as a teacher or especially as a younger teacher, if you're newer to a building, it can feel uncomfortable to feel like you're talking back to an administrator. If an administrator comes and says, hey, can I borrow Miss Thomas um, for this 30 minute period to go do this? You might feel uncomfortable saying, no, I can't let Miss Thomas leave for half an hour because Miss Thomas has responsibilities and that would be unsafe to have this whole group of kids unstaffed. So if you've ever been put in that situation and you felt uncomfortable, to me, in my opinion, it feels really great to have a written down schedule because it's no longer um, subjective, it's objective. It's written in the schedule that Miss Thomas is responsible for these three kids during this time period. So sorry, she can't leave during this time because she's responsible for this group of students. So this really gives you a non-confrontational way of saying no and saying no respectfully and in a way that explains why you're saying no. You're not trying to be unhelpful. That staff member is designated to do something else. And in order to maintain safety and academic rigor and meeting all of those IEP goals in your classroom, you need those staff members in your four walls doing the schedule and the programs that you've designed for them. So what this adult schedule looks like will mirror the student schedule. You will have yourself and your other staff members' names along the first row and then that same time breakdown on the first column. And then you will just go through that student schedule and however the students are grouped, put that in your schedule. So under Miss Thomas's schedule, you know, from 9 to 9.30, she's running Morning Circle with Johnny, Sarah, and Ashley. At 9.30, she's doing fluency instruction with Nick and Jonathan. So it's going to be written out exactly where she is and which students she's working with. You'll put lunch breaks, breaks, specials, anything else important in there written right in the schedule. This to me is essential. If you have a substitute come, you can easily hand the substitute that schedule. You really need the adult version so everyone knows what's going on. It really ties everything together really nicely. Once you make this Excel schedule, your student schedule, your adult schedule, you're going to be tempted to print 500 copies, to laminate them, to plaster it everywhere. And I caution you that you need to view this first version, maybe even your fifth or sixth version, as a rough draft. Without fail, you will run this schedule day one, day two, day 10, and you will notice things that just don't work. They work on paper. They don't work in real life. You thought Johnny and Sarah could be paired together and you realize that that's a horrible idea, that Johnny's behaviors completely are triggers for Sarah's behaviors and that's not going well. You realize that this group of students would be a good fit and actually there's way too many students in this group. You realize that you thought that these centers would work well next to each other, but you realize one center is very distracting for the other group of kids at the other center. So be flexible 
be flexible. I find that teachers sometimes are very inflexible. I am not the most flexible person. I'm a wannabe flexible person. But we get stuck. We want to make something work so badly that we try to force it in and we end up trying to make this schedule work half the year and not giving in and making it better or fixing the mistakes or missteps. So learn from the things that aren't working and be willing to tweak and redo and retry. You would be better off changing a schedule two months into the school year than trying to force a schedule to work that has some glaring errors that you could easily fix and redo. So now let's talk student schedules. So the schedules will obviously reflect what's on that Excel schedule that you created. You will have some system of showing the order of those activities. So the system can be a written schedule, a visual schedule, maybe even an object schedule, but you need some way to show your student exactly the order of events that will be happening each school day. You need a way to show changes. You need a way to show which events are done and which still need to be done. And that's what this schedule will accomplish. Schedules need to be individualized. Just like your students have a wide range of types of IEP goals, you might need a wide range of types of schedules in your class. Your student's schedule should reflect their skill set. If they are a reader, they should have a schedule with words. If they can match pictures, they should have a visual picture schedule. Not all of your students have exactly the same skills, so all of their schedules shouldn't look exactly the same. You want a schedule that is individualized for each child. There's a range of different types of schedules, and I like to think of them on a continuum. We have schedules at one end that are more restrictive and schedules at the other end that are less restrictive and more generalizable. And by less restrictive, I mean they're easy to use in other situations, and more generalizable means our kids can easily use these in the different situations we put them in. So something on the more restrictive side would be something like an object schedule or a photo schedule. That's hard to replicate in other scenarios because you might not have a photo of every situation and you might not have an object for all of the different activities to represent those activities that you want your student to be doing. On the less restrictive side are things like written schedules or um, a quick picture schedule that's an arbitrary picture that represents one center. So a picture of a puzzle piece might mean playtime, even if you're not doing a puzzle. So things like that are going to be a little bit less restrictive and allow more opportunities to use the schedule in different situations. So these schedules over time should be something movable. We don't want to always stay with one type of schedule. If a student has been using a visual picture schedule for 12 years, it's probably time to switch something up. These schedules are not rigid things. We want to always be moving towards less restrictive, 
more generalizable types of schedules. So take this opportunity to really evaluate the types of schedules that you're using with your students. Are there students that are ready to move on to a more generalizable type of schedule? Are there kids that have been using the same type of schedule for too long and maybe their skills have advanced, but the type of schedule that you're using hasn't? So use this chance to really think about that and make some decisions of which kids can move on to different types of schedules so that schedule type is very individualized per child. So let's start with the easier or more restrictive type schedules. And just because a schedule is more restrictive doesn't mean it's not a great fit for some students. Some students are just going to need more support to help them transition through their day. And that's okay. We just want to find the schedule that's right for each student right now and then always be looking and moving towards a schedule that will allow for more flexibility and more generalization. So the first schedule type is object schedules. And object schedules utilize a physical object, sometimes a mini object, something small lends itself to a schedule that represents an activity or a station. So that object is usually relevant to the activity. So if the activity was hygiene tasks, maybe you'd use a mini tooth brush. Or if the activity was work tasks, maybe you would use a piece of a work task or a puzzle piece, something that physically represents that station. At that station, you can put a pair, the exact other object. So students will match mini toothbrush to the mini toothbrush that's glued on their bin with their hygiene activities, and then they do their hygiene tasks. So the physical object is great for our early learners, our our learners that struggle with receptive language, and our learners that might have a visual impairment because there's this great tactile component to this type of schedule. You can feel the item, you can see it, and then match to the exact item. So that's a great place to start for some of our early learners, especially our little baby preschoolers. The next type of schedule will be visual schedules. And there's a lot, a lot of different types of visual schedules. And I'm just going to go through some of the main types. So one type of visual schedule might be with real photos of the different centers or people the students will be with. This is great because it's very concrete. You know exactly where you're going because there's a real photo of that specific table, that play area, that therapist that you'll be working with. It's important to remember that images like Boardmaker or other clip arts are just a representation of an idea. Just because you use the Boardmaker play image for play area doesn't mean that that innately means play for this child. So starting at something like Boardmaker might not be the best fit for every student. You might need to start with those real photos and having an iPhone or a camera phone obviously makes these very easy to make. My first year teaching, I was developing pictures at Walgreens and cutting them out and laminating them to make real photo schedules. And now it's a million times easier. Visual schedules can have that 
clip art representation of a center like a board maker image or another type of image. And this is nice because it represents that center. These are obviously easier to make because we can make a large variety of types of center pictures at one time. You don't need to take an actual picture. And they're going to be a little bit more generalizable because you'll start to teach your student that you don't need the exact picture for something to meet for a picture to mean something. So this means that maybe mom or dad could Google a picture of a trampoline and show, hey, Johnny, we're going to a trampoline park today. They wouldn't need that exact photo of the exact trampoline park. So many of us use board maker pictures, picture schedules, or other types of visual picture schedules in our classroom. They're easy to make. They're quick. You can use the same picture for a lot of, you know, the center for all of your students and staff then knows what those pictures mean. So you'll want to label each area of your classroom with the picture as well, because remember, it's just a representation. So that board maker play image will go in the play area. So when the student takes the piece that has the play image, they will match the exact play image to the larger label and show that this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to link some blog posts, how you can utilize color coding and other things like that to make that discrimination between the pictures even easier. Because a lot of the clip art images can look similar. So if our kids are still working on matching, they might not be ready for that type of schedule without some color coding component. So I've mentioned having pieces. So in a visual movable piece schedule, there will be small Velcroed pieces that will show each center or activity in the student's day. The student will pick up the piece, walk over to the center, match the picture, do the activities at the center, and then pick up that piece and put it in a finished bin, either near their schedule or somewhere on their schedule area. This is nice because it physically shows that that activity is done and the list or that sequence of schedule pieces gets lower and lower and smaller and smaller as the day goes on. So it's a nice way to really illustrate the passage of time. So once students have really mastered using this type of movable piece schedule, another type of visual schedule you can use is a visual schedule on a piece of paper. This is one of my favorite, favorite transitions to make in the land of schedules because to be honest, it makes life a lot easier on the staff. So in going from a movable piece schedule where you pick up a Velcro piece, you walk over, you match it, instead, the student will have all of their schedules, schedule images on one page. So there's the image of playtime and it's written playtime in, and then having all of the other images in the right order but it's not a movable piece. It's just one page. You can laminate it, you can print it off, and students can use a dry erase marker or a pencil to cross off each activity as it's finished. So you can use a real photo schedule here, you can use visuals, you can use just words as we'll talk about in a minute. But the nice part is, there's no more prepping all of those schedule pieces. There's no more putting the schedule pieces in order after the end of every day or in the morning. There's no more losing schedule pieces. It's nice because it makes it a lot easier on the staff. And this is a system, honestly, that's just a lot more accessible for parents at home. It's easy to make quick schedules for morning routine, bedtime routines, um, writing out something for Saturdays. I make little schedules like this for my own daughter all the time. 
time, even with just drawing, hand drawing little objects and showing her, hey, we're going to do this game, then you're going to play by yourself, then we're going to go to this special place you want to. And just doodling a little picture. And that helps her understand. And then we cross off each thing as we go through. So this is a nice transition to make and you can still really differentiate for the needs of your students, but it's all on one page. You can prepare the schedules literally for the whole year in the start of the year. If you have um, a different schedule for every day of the week, You make a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday schedule. You laminate all five of them and then you switch them out each day. You're done. You're ready to go. So it makes life a lot easier on the prep side. The last type of schedule is going to be a kind of version as I've been transitioning into talking about this is a written schedule. So removing the visuals and having the written words ordering the events that are happening. You can make these as simple as just, you know, playtime, teacher time, circle, lunch, bathroom, or you can get more advanced. You can add the times. You can put the whole week on one page. Um, You can have, make it look like the high school student schedule with different periods and things like that. Start to really make it look like what your child's gen ed peers are using because they have a schedule too. They have a high school schedule that shows periods and shows the different time blocks and things like that. So really start to make it more and more advanced. Look at what, you know, planners look like, things like that. Think of it as a day planner or something you and I use. For our older kids, you can start to incorporate their schedule onto their iPhone or an iPad using the calendars app, using Google calendars. There's a lot of really cool ways to utilize a calendar on technology. And all of those ways are created for me and you. So there's something that your student can really start to use as they become an adult and add to the complexity of using a schedule. So the written schedule can be great to have everything in one spot. You can then cross off and show changes. And we're just going to really pull those visuals away and just rely on the text for our kids that have that strong reading ability. Okay, so you've made your student schedule. You've made your adult schedules. You've done such a great job and you have differentiated and individualized how the schedule looks for each of your students. Johnny has a different schedule type than Allison who has a different schedule type than Joe because Johnny, Allison, and Joe are different kids with different needs so they have different types of schedules. So you might think that you were all done. You were like, oh, this schedule stuff was a lot of work. I'm finished. See you later. Unfortunately, no. Schedules are not a magic wand. You cannot hand a child a schedule and just assume that they will know what it means and know how to use this. I see this mistake a lot. Teachers go through a lot of work to make beautiful individualized schedules and then nobody uses them, students or staff, because they students have never been taught how to use the schedules. And then teachers will tell me like, oh, well, Johnny just doesn't like his schedule or he doesn't need it, but really Johnny doesn't know how to use it. So you need to then take the time to teach your staff and teach your students how to use the schedule. So you're teaching your staff 
how to teach your students, and then teach your students. Be the model for your team on how to fade prompts and how to promote your students using their schedules independently. Take data on how they utilize their schedules and make sure that this is the culture of your team is the goal is using the schedules independently for our students. The staff shouldn't always be the one picking it up. We should be trying to get our students to pick up the pieces and use those schedules on their own. That's the goal. For some of you that teach the younger grades, this might be a far out goal and that's okay. As long as you're working towards independent schedule use, you are on the right track. Once your students have a great idea of how to utilize their schedules and they're starting to use them independently at some level, then start to incorporate those planned and unplanned schedule changes. This is the beauty of schedules is that when those highly anticipated, and I mean that in a bad way, changes come up that everyone is just not ready for, you can use those schedules to show those changes. Change is very hard for our kids, and honestly, it's hard for us too. So use the schedules to show when changes are coming. And then lastly, upgrade those schedules as needed. If midway through the year you think, man, you know, Johnny is doing awesome with this movable piece schedule, maybe it's time to move him to a paper schedule. Or Sarah over here might not need visuals anymore. Maybe we can just switch her over to words. So be willing and be flexible enough to upgrade those schedules and view them as something movable, something that we are working towards independence with and that we're going to be open to change those schedule types. The goal is not to eliminate schedules. We're not trying to get rid of them because remember, schedules are functional. You and I use schedules. So we're not trying to get rid of schedules, but our goal is to make the schedules that our kids use as flexible and as generalizable as possible. So mom and dad, a future boss, a coworker, someone can utilize schedules with this student in a way that they can easily understand and use in a new situation. That's why we go through this whole process to teach schedules and be open and individualize them so these schedules can be utilized in a wide range of situations and help our students become as independent as possible. If you would have told me a few years ago that my favorite part of my job is getting up in front of sometimes a few hundred people and giving a presentation on data or behavior academics, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not always like public speaking. Actually, to be totally honest, public speaking was something I used to be pretty afraid of. But now it's literally my favorite part of my job. I love being in a room of my people, of the special ed world, teachers and parents and clinicians, and everyone that's on the front lines that's working so hard for our students to give them the best opportunities and the best classroom experience. I love being in a room of everyone that understands how hard this job can be, but also how amazing it is and how important those little victories are on a daily basis. When I do a PD, my goal is to bring value. I want to bring action items, ideas and strategies that you can do tomorrow in your classroom. I have sat through too many professional developments that either didn't apply to me 
or were too hypothetical and philosophical. And my special at heart always wanted to know, what do I do next? What do I do tomorrow? If you are interested in learning more about how I can come to your school to do a professional development, please visit theautismhelper.com backslash speaking. There's a contact form as well as a lot of information about all of the different sessions I give. I'm happy to answer any questions and work with your school district. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.